When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Stompcast, part two. And you know, we've dived in so quickly into this. We said it was freezing cold, we didn't really say where we are. So we're in London, we're wandering around uh, Hyde Park. It's, it's actually one of my fave parks in London. I really like it. I think a lot of people think of Hyde Park as the kind of really busy bit around uh, the Serpentine uh, and the cafe and all that kind of stuff. But actually, it's, there's so many really quiet bits around Hyde Park, like the forestry areas which we're wandering in. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it's also pretty huge. Like, I haven't quite appreciated how big Hyde Park is. Have you wandered in this bit before, right? I've, I've wandered a little bit, but mostly it's sort of around the cafe, and then I sort of like journal or so read the So actually, we're helping you to nomad around uh, Hyde Park. Yeah, nomading around London in the freezing cold. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my friend. Yeah, you really, you would imagine your life would be doing podcasts in the sun, <laughs> sat on the beach, I'm sure. But uh, no, it's fun. you're back on the way to find the fun in everything. Exactly. Find the fun in everything. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I want to start um, this part, and we're going to focus on a little bit of goal setting and choosing the right goals and right opportunities. But I'm going to do it from the lens of the video I watched on your YouTube channel. Now, you have like 5 million plus uh, subscribers. You started this, of course, um, towards the end of medical school, and you've seen that incredible growth. And you covered all sorts of topics over the years, which, you know, you covered from things like money and things like that, and following also your own journey. And people have seen kind of the rise and rise of success, and you've kind of seemingly done more and more and more become more and more productive and you've got this huge team now that you've got that help you achieve these different things now fascinatingly um you actually shared in this video um that you basically decided to you know move towards digital nomad life and try that but also that you're really thinking about what things you're spending your time on um and you cited i think a, a friend of yours not going to dig into that but a friend of yours i think that had a health scare and i think there was that awareness of mortality morbidity and so on isn't that self-awareness that happens what I found fascinating is you said this, that you kind of asked yourself the question um, that you've been considering and you've seen asked el- elsewhere. If money were no object, would I do exactly what I'm doing right now? And I just wonder if you could t- tell people a little bit on about that reflection. You really should go and watch that 40-minute uh, video. It's well worth sitting there. Enjoy a cup of tea. It's fantastic. But yeah, if you could summarise a little bit of what, what you kind of came, the conclusion you came to in that consideration. Yeah, so... I really like this question. If money were no object, what would you do? Or if you won the lottery, what would you do? And then people are like, well, the lottery's only a million these days and you can't even buy a house with that. It's like, okay, if you won the Euro Millions lottery, what would you do? You know, all the, <laughs> those sorts of questions. Um, so back when I was in, in med school and working as a doctor, I used to ask this to my senior colleagues. I used to say, hey, just out of interest, if you won the lottery, would you continue working in medicine? And half of them would, said, well, half of them would say, no, I'd leave immediately. And the other half would say, I'd go part time. I was like, okay, cool, that's interesting. It, it, it tells you something about people's motivations because, you know, as much as we like to think that work is about more than just money, it is. It's about, like, service and purpose and having fun and helping people and blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you took the money away from it, if you ask someone, if you weren't being paid, would you still choose to do this? Usually the answer is, well, no. <laughs> mm. So clearly, <laughs> you know, there's something that Vicky Robin argues in her book, Your Money or Your Life. Really, the only thing separating work from anything else that we do is the fact that we get paid for it. 
all of the other good things about work, like social contact and service and community and purpose and blah, 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 you can get all of those through volunteering at your local church. But <laughs> the thing that makes it work is the fact that you're getting paid for it. We need money. We need, we money. need money. That's the thing. Or we think we need money. <laughs> um, and so one of the ways in which I think about like, how to figure out what to do with my life is <laughs> how do I get it such that my answer to that question is no different to what I'm currently doing. So if right now I had, I don't know, 100 million in the bank, I would still choose to do a podcast with you walking around Hyde Park. Thank I you. I'll take that. That's <laughs> yeah, a really well, nice compliment. I'd probably it? treat you to a coffee because I'd be like... <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'd, pro I'd, I'd almost certainly continue to make YouTube videos and I would still want to write another book. But would I want to do a sponsorship with some random company that I've never heard of? Not really. <laughs> would I want to sell an online course? No, it's not that fun teaching online. I much prefer teaching in real life. I'd probably want to do that. And so I just start thinking about these sorts of things. Um, and so a few months ago, I was in, in the midst of my nomading and I was meant to film a bunch of videos. And a friend of mine had a health scare. And that gave me this sort of new appreciation of mortality. Uh, and I started like seriously asking myself that question, that this life I've created for myself, where I get to make like insane amounts of money making YouTube videos, for God's sake, is this what I would choose to do if I wasn't being paid for it? And my answer was <laughs> the same as what the doctors said <laughs> when I asked them 10 years ago, which is that I would do it, but I would do it part-time. And that made me realize, ah, if I had all the money in the world, I wouldn't make YouTube videos at a, at a rate of two per week. I'd make a YouTube video when I felt like I had something valuable to share. But I still make YouTube videos. Um, so that told me that I, I needed to do a bit of a correction a bit of a correction away from let's bang out more videos because algorithm and because sponsor revenue and stuff. And more towards, let me create videos because this is actually what I authentically want to be doing because I know it's what I would do even if I wasn't being paid for it. So I did, yeah, I think, I think about that a lot. And I think there's, there's a bunch of different questions that we can ask ourselves to help us figure out what we want to do with our lives. But this question of if you had all the money in the world, what would you be doing? And in particular, how would you use your talents to serve others? Because one answer to the question of if you had all the money in the world, what would you spend your time doing? Some people would be like, oh, I'll just play video games all day. It's like, bruv, if you play video games all day, you're going to be depressed. Like, there's just... Well, there's a great, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of studies showing that people that retire and don't have a transition to some new purpose end up incredibly depressed exactly. very, very quickly. As in, not even months, often within weeks, people yeah. Increased feel this of kind of... attack well, and stroke and everything else as huge. well. Huge, yeah. yeah, because there's a huge stress place in the body. I mean, one of the biggest things that we see is that change causes stress. Change equals stress. Change equals psychological pressure not always distress but pressure it's kind of like you know you get your job as a doctor you think this is the dream we've worked towards you get there and all of a sudden this great thing that's happened causes you a huge amount of pressure and stress it happened to me i quote this story a lot when i think about my dream job was getting a job as an f1 in king's college london right you know this this 24 hours in any you know all the stuff like watching it really wanted to get there all of a sudden i got there had to you know, make new friends no idea where i was didn't understand you know all of a sudden this place was like oh my god it's crazy got this job this change caused stress and actually the opposite is also true. So if you won the lottery and had all that money and just did nothing, within weeks you'd be like, oh, yeah, what's my purpose? Exactly. And so asking that question in the sense of how, if you did win the lottery, how would you use your talents to serve others? That is a nice way of getting at what you think you maybe want to do with your career slash life slash mission purpose, all of that fun stuff. It's a way of finding a bit of direction to it. So, you know, as you went through that video, you talked about then, I think part of what you moved on to talk about was that 
part of why this is hard. It goes, well, well why do we all do this? Why don't we all look at, like, well, let's work the amount that we need to have the money that we need to live, which I know there's, there's flaws within that. There is flaws within that potential argument because of the cost of living and so on. But if we follow that kind of idea, the question is, why don't we do that? And you talked about leaving money on the table, didn't you? Mm. The kind of idea that, you know, let's be frank, you know, you've kind of grown, you've been very open about this. You've grown a platform where you're able to generate a lot of money to the point where you've got a team and all these kind of different things. But then it's like, well, if I do less, perhaps I'll earn less as well. And you need to kind of, then it becomes that time versus money thing. And, you know, I saw a very interesting um, clip on social media the other day, and this guy was saying, asked this question of someone in the street. They said, right, okay, um, if I said to you, you could have a million pounds uh, tomorrow, would you like to have a million pounds? And they're like, yeah, of course, <laughs> duh, I'll have a million quid. So I can give you a million pounds, but you're going to die tomorrow. Do you want the million pounds? Like, no. So you're saying like the day of your, like your life is worth infinitely more. And they're like, okay, what if about they said, then I'll give you a million pounds and you get 15 years. There's a young man, a 20 year old, they're like, no way, I'm not gonna have a million quid for, and then live for 15 years. And it's like, okay, well, how, what, how much time are you willing to give up of your life for a million pounds? And it basically comes down to the fact you wouldn't give up any of your life for a million yeah. quid, which tells us a lot, but we make that choice all the time. We're always making a micro choice yep. of stepping towards money yep. versus not. And of course, and we are, we're both very, much acknowledging the flaws within that discussion because you do need a fundamental amount to live but let's be honest a lot of people actually keep pushing beyond that need and that point and want more yeah and it, it raised that interesting question as well about happiness and money doesn't it i just wonder if, if you could yeah, yeah react to that a little i know you've got a lot to kind of say on this i just wonder your thoughts on that yeah again yeah this is something i think about so much because if we, if we just zoom out a little it's it's sort of like the discussion we had in the in the earlier part around positive psychology like there, there, there are sort of two different buckets of advice. One bucket of advice is the thing that gets you from below baseline to baseline. What we're talking about is not that. If someone is below the poverty line, then this conversation is going to make irrelevant. them vomit in their mouth. It's completely it's irrelevant. irrelevant. Yeah. But there are a lot of people listening to this, I suspect, who are not, who are, you know, beyond the poverty line and for whom kind of achievement and ambition and success is somewhat <laughs> or a lot tied to the amount of money that they're making. And as you mentioned, in most of our lives, we are faced with either a micro or a macro decision at various points, do I free up my time or do I make more, more money? Do I, <laughs> do I free up my time or do I want to, I want to make more money? You, know, you may get invited to fly to Malaysia to speak at a conference and you're like, hmm, I'm, I was meant to be seeing my mum that, that week, but oh, you know, they're offering, I don't know, 30 grand for me to fly to Malaysia to speak at a conference. Wow. I mean, how, how much of a dickhead would I have to be to say no to that? Mm. Like, such a huge amount of, that's a whole salary of an F1. And so in that moment, you're facing the choice between time and money. Similarly, when you get offered a locum shift for an extra 14 pounds an hour because they need cover, you're faced with a choice of time or money. Do you value your free time or do you want to make more money? Obviously, there's a service component as well, but <laughs> having been in that position with lots of friends in that position, no one is thinking, well, yeah, I'm glad to serve. Most of the time, <laughs> you're actually working, already working beyond yeah, what's exactly. reasonable in terms of the number of hours. You're already staying on hours later days. So yeah. we're talking addition upon addition here. Absolutely. We're not, you know, this is like, you're, you're, you're like six free hours at the weekend you're giving up, basically. That's the thing, exactly. It. Do I go part-time in my job? These days, a lot of jobs are very amenable to part-time. Medical training is amenable to part-time these days. But... Do I do, do I do I free up the time or do I do I make more do I make more money? It's a hard one because what society will tell us uh, and the natural default assumption is that making more money is the answer, because we will say things like, "There's the whole cost of living crisis," and "What if I have kids?" and then things, you know, education's getting expensive these days, and like, you know, I want to have a buffer, I want to have a safety net, and all of those things are completely valid, but it's worth understanding the trade that we're making here. 
The, these days, there are a lot of people I speak to on my podcast and events and stuff who are way wealthier than I am. These are the other people with net worths of like 10 million plus, some even with 100 million plus. And they are still faced with that choice of do I make more money or do I save time? And they often pick the money option <laughs> because even when you have 10 million in the bank, you still feel poor if the friends around you have 50 million in the bank and they have fancy stuff. And the whole like <laughs> capitalist consumerist stuff that we get fed on a daily basis tells us that salvation lies in acquiring more stuff or that it's not about stuff, it's about experiences. Oh, and those experiences just happen to cost money. So it all just tells us that the way to, <laughs> the way to happiness and salvation is through more money. And it takes a lot to really kind of step back from that and to say, actually, no, I'm going to choose to only work three days a week because I value the extra two days more than I value the extra, pay, the extra, the extra money. to kind of make money and then obviously I was a junior doctor on like 25 grand with, you know eating tins of soup or whatever it was for the weekend yeah. like and that, that's that's the truth I mean people go really so like, yeah yeah literally like 25 grand um and then you know obviously I've earned a lot more money you know in time as well so and I've seen you know I've seen lots of different things but I, I personally beyond a certain point and I'm I'm, I'm very much not in brackets uh, here that like that you're talking about but beyond a certain point of probably you know 40 50 thousand pounds a year I'm not sure it makes any difference to happiness in fact the things that make me happy are free time doing things i want to so being autonomous with my time yeah good people around me going to the gym uh playing fetch with my dog and having challenges and things in work that i enjoy doing like this if i if money were no object i would do stomp cast i think probably my entire life it's like my favorite thing to do i love this more than almost anything, it gives me so much joy. It's changed my life in many ways doing uh, this podcast. But it is a really interesting thought of like, how much money do you need? And you've made videos on this before. And I guess looking at your own life and being in a similar position where you've kind of seen lots of different you know, amounts of money and all that kind of stuff, is there an amount or is that a too simplistic way to look at it? What is the, at what point does it become a bit like, well, actually it's not making you any more happier now. It's just making you more stressed or yeah. you're losing time. So I think there's, there's like two numbers. One number is the freedom number. That's the number that comes first. 
that's a number where you think, if I were earning X amount per month, I would feel free of obligations to, usually I'd be, I'd be able to quit my job or go part-time if I needed to. At the time for me, that was 3K a month. I was thinking, oh man, if I could make 3,000 pounds a month through my business, then now all of a sudden, medicine becomes optional rather than obligatory. And that's my freedom number. I now have freedom from <laughs> uh, paid employment if that's, what I, if that's what I choose. Then there's the, <laughs> way beyond that, there is the, I never have to work again a day in my life number, <laughs> which for some people, some people might say, well, if you put, if you take like a million and put it into stocks and shares, and then you can withdraw safely 4% a year, 4% is the magic number. Therefore, you can earn a salary of 40K a year just off the dividends from your stocks and shares and blah, blah, blah. And so you sort of like work it out. That, that's like one way of doing it. I don't know. In my experience, that number is, is, the, is far more difficult to figure out because you know, then you start thinking, well, what if the market doesn't work? Well, what if 40 grand's not enough? What if like inflation, what if cost of living? And it just keeps on going up and up and up. And I know people who have 10 million plus who say that their number is 100 million. I know people who have 1 million plus who say the number is 10. Like the number is always like three to 10 times more than what you, what you already have. So I think optimizing for <laughs> making, <laughs> making money to get to your freedom number, I think makes an enormous difference because a, there is a huge change in happiness when A, you don't have to worry about the bills anymore and B, you have the ability to choose what you want to do. That is just completely game changing. That's really interesting because actually Feel what you're saying, like, like, rather than thinking <laughs> yeah. of like, I never need to work again money, which actually in reality, most people don't even want, want to do that, to yeah. be honest, necessarily. Or, and that seems ridiculous. It's a preposterous thing. Like, I can't even, I've never even thought about how much I need to make to never work again. I just don't, that's just not in my, in my mindset. Yeah. But I certainly do think like, how can I do this where there's enough money coming in, I can do more of the optional and less of the stuff that, you know, make things more optional, basically. You know, when you look at like, how do you have a happier life or what, what does a happier life constitute of? And one of the biggest things is autonomy. It keeps coming up again, mm. this idea that an element of choice is very important. Amongst things like connection and purpose, choice is really important. I'm doing this because I choose to do it and I feel like I, if I wanted to, I don't have to do it. It's like you're growing up with your mum being like, go and clean your bedroom, go and clean your bedroom. You choose to clean your bedroom, you feel a lot better about it than if you've been told you have to do it, otherwise you can't go and play football later on, right? So I guess with the financial point then, so for people listening, thinking, God, I didn't even know how to start with that. How do you take that bit of information of thinking about that freedom point and how do you apply it to your own life? Because you've kind of, you've done this, right? You're in this process, you're, yeah. you're thinking about this now. For, okay, so the goal is to get, get enough money coming in so that you have more autonomy in what you do for work. So you have the option of taking a pay cut to do a job you actually enjoy or working part-time or, or whatever the thing might be. So either that requires lowering your lifestyle cost to the point that you can just do that a lot of people will say that's not possible, um, or it requires having other sources of income. Now, where do you get these other sources of income from? One way is if you just have loads of money, then you get some rental properties, and now you have rental, rental income coming in. The problem is it requires loads of money to have enough rental properties for that to be, for that to be meaningful. Really, <laughs> the one unfortunate truth is that you have to start your own business. Mm. And business does not have to be a fancy thing. It's not like opening a factory or opening a restaurant or opening a, any physical premises. With the internet, with the power of the scale and the, the scale and the distribution that the internet provides, you can start a business doing almost anything provided it is fulfilling two objectives. Number one, it provides value to people. And number two, those people are willing to pay for that value. And ideally, ideally, number three, you can do it in a way that's like on your own terms and while having fun along the way. I think when it comes to, you know, the way I made money when I was in med school is that I used to teach courses, helping people get into med school. I would do that on the weekends and in the summer holidays. 
before getting into university, I would make money by private tutoring. Um, that was, you know, a little bit of a business. Before that, I would make money by designing websites for small businesses and charging them like 10 quid an hour or something like that. You've always been an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. I was like 13 years old and like 10 quid an hour is like, whoa, that's like above minimum wage. Let's, you know, let's go. It's cash. Yeah, it's cash. There's a cash, cash in the bank. Um, so having, having a skill that you can offer that, that provides value to someone else where that person has the willingness and the ableness to, play, to pay for that value, it might be baking cupcakes and like sending them around to the local neighborhood. Like it could be almost anything. There are dozens of books written about this. Um, obviously, we can't <laughs> go into it in this podcast, but you know, if someone's interested, you know, I'd recommend reading the the Millionaire Fast Lane by M. J. DeMarco, which is very good. I'd recommend reading a new book by Noah Kagan called Million Dollar Weekend. These are all written by Americans. The title is a bit clickbaity, but the content is really, really good. And like once, like the. Making money is a skill. Making money on the side is, is absolutely a skill, and it's a skill that can be learned. And I think a lot of people think, oh, I don't have a business idea. But you ask them how many business books they've read, how many business podcasts they've listened to, how many entrepreneurs they've tried to grab a coffee with, because generally local entrepreneurs are very chill about having a coffee with someone who's young and interested in, in making money. And the answer is zero. And people just don't realize that this is a skill that can be learned. You wouldn't try and sort of <laughs> get better at tennis and then not hire a tennis coach or not go to a tennis club or not watch any YouTube videos about tennis. And yet people are trying to uh, 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 have this thing in their mind of like, oh, like the only way for me to make more money is to go on strike or to campaign for, I don't know, the government to give me more money or whatever. It's like, no, you can absolutely take your life, <laughs> take your ability to make money as a skill into your own hands and improve that skill just like you would improve the skill of your tennis serve if that's what you were optimizing for. So I think there's so many resources out there. It's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur. And crucially, you don't then need to try and make 10K a month or 100K a month or any of these big numbers. All you need to do is make enough money so that you have optionality and the freedom to do work that you actually enjoy rather than necessarily what you're currently doing. And to be honest, if you're at a point where you're in a career that you absolutely love and you actually do enjoy your job and look forward to Mondays, then great, you don't need to, then, then you don't need to side hustle. And you don't need to do this at all. Yeah, <laughs> sure. it's obviously this, this is a specific example we're talking yeah. about. And I think the idea of doing business is often it's scary for people, but also business sometimes has got a really sleazy, negative, greed-based connotation, which isn't true at all. In fact, the country wouldn't exist if it wasn't for businesses yeah. and so on. And small businesses include coffee shops all the way to big businesses uh, and so on. But, you know, I, I certainly, when I listen to that, I think, you know, it's, it's so true because throughout school, Basically, school teaches you to get a vocational job, work for other people, pay your salary and work your five days of the week, right? Which doesn't, you know, that's fine if you really love your job, but a lot of the time for a lot of people, that's, that's actually not, not the dream, is it? Let's be honest. Yeah. But it doesn't, they don't teach you at school about things like business or entrepreneurship. Yeah. And so if you go through and you have a family like mine, where my dad was a police and mum worked in the bank, which are very kind of, these are kind of very vocational style jobs and so on, you just don't know about the option like what is a business it sounds yeah. like a foreign language literally exactly, yeah. so unless you learn you can't do it but the beauty of things like youtube things like your channel the books that you've mentioned out there they all can teach you some of the skills to start something small and sometimes the biggest business start with the smallest ideas and if nothing else it gives you gives you options and if you don't try then you can't succeed can you you've That's got to try and accept failure i mean i've had many failures so many of them oh god many of them talking about the uh, exam thing many failures across ventures that I've done things that have tried and flopped and so on and the, the thing that I've learned is that, that moving in the right direction teaches you something you will get there eventually won't you yeah I think it's, it's about how kind of have, having a sense of destination in mind but the point is not the destination the point is that, that, that knowing where you're trying to go gives you a sense of direction and then as long as you keep t- taking steps in that direction and correcting course along the way and trying your best to enjoy the, enjoy the journey along the way as well you're gonna land somewhere good. It may not be the exact destination you had in mind, 
but it'll probably be better and more meaningful than the destination that you had in mind. So really, as we wrap up then part two, when you're thinking about goals and direction you know, in life, and you're thinking that in terms of finances, what am I trying to achieve? What is the goal financially? Which we never really talk about at school. I really believe that we should. Financial health is something we should talk about. Maybe it is really thinking, like, what do I want? What is that freedom point for me? What would I do if money was no object? Often that's not realistically going to be the case, but it helps guide you, doesn't it? So yeah. hopefully that helps people with goal setting uh, this year. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll see you in part three very soon. Goodbye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.